ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to Brave to the Bone podcast, where we explore the dynamics of human courage in its most dynamic form, personal transformation. What does it take to dive into the unknown of ourselves? Who can help us get there? How scary is it to face our own edge? And what are the magic tools that we can use today to explore ourselves on this journey of healing just a little bit more? I was so inspired to talk to a leader in vegan health and fitness. Linda Walker shares her incredible story of how she survived life-threatening cancer and recovered from an eating disorder as she was awakened to a whole new lifestyle and changed her perception to seeing food as medicine. Linda explains how being a vegan has changed her life, changed her soul, and has become her primary passion with working with women on their own healing journey today. Linder, thank you so much for coming to the show. I know you have such a fantastic story to share, and we're so excited to dive into it. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do now? Hi, my name is Linder. Today I am, if you want to sum it all up, a vegan core fitness coach. And I do that basically because what happened in the pandemic. I was in a job and I got furloughed. I got a big sum of money <laughs> to leave the company. Couldn't have been more perfect. And then as we got, as this, as this thing sort of dragged on, like because I do fitness myself every morning, I thought, you know what? I think others need this. I think other people need this. Not only do they need this, they need my vegan coaching. So I'm doing both. <laughs> so in the morning, you can come work out with me. And in the evening, uh, supper time, just before supper, we do a vegan blog cooking slash. I try to help people. A lot of people, I start with Meatless Monday or just trying to switch them. Like a lot of people just don't know how to cook like their favorite things vegan. And I'm great at it. I can change anything, teach you how to do that. And then we start off with my son does meditation. And the thing that's so great about Zoom is we start with his meditation that in one Zoom room, and then we Zoom into my room and we do fitness. So it's been amazing. Wow, that's so amazing that you're combining meditation and fitness. And it's also so amazing that you're combining your son's work with yours. Yeah. So what a miracle and a blessing. So you're really happy to be at this um, space of freedom of where you are now. That's so cool. Absolutely. And uh, my son's never had meat vegan his whole life as well. So I'm vegan 30 years. He's vegan 24 Wow. <laughs> Can you take us back to how this all started for you? Sure. So I think for me, one thing I will say is that I didn't even know I had an eating disorder until probably, I think 1986 was the first time we heard the word bulimic or anorexic. Because before then, it wasn't even a word. We were just all doing it. And so what happened for me as a little girl, I grew up in a, you know, a violent alcoholic home. I don't believe that was the trigger of the eating disorder, funny enough. But what it was, was I was the youngest girl. I had three older brothers from the very earliest age. Like I always dressed like them. I was a tomboy. So I had like a little bathing suit bottom on and I never had to wear a bathing suit top and I never wanted to. And I, I know that that's where it started because as I got older, kids would start to laugh at me and point at me and shame me because I just wanted to wear the bathing suit bottoms and be like my brothers. And yet I was different. Started to get that 
feeling of being different right away and I didn't understand it. And then as I get older and I'm watching my brothers, like there's something about watching, my brothers were all athletic and great, great shape and ate like, you cannot believe how much they ate. And I never, in my mind, I know now it was a sickness, but in my mind, I never saw myself look like them. Like they literally had washboard stomachs, ate like horses and did the fitness. I know. And then it'd be me. Like I would try to keep up with them on the food because I didn't even know women ate differently, (laughs) which is funny in itself. And like, even that's a funny story. First time I went out with a girl to eat, I ate like, I could not believe how I was eating. And she was eating like this like really politely and she barely ate anything. And I'm thinking like, wow, that's weird. Right? Like, so, so all these really mixed messages in my head, I took a certain way. Right. And then what happened was I always fitness wise, like my brother, I would just get really good because I was athletic, but they were better. Always felt like my brother, we would walk to school and I'd go, okay, I got the handspring down. I do a handspring and then he'd do an aerial and it'd be like, Oh, like I always, it was this thing. And I know it was in my own mind, but I do know that food, so food started to become like, I wouldn't eat this and I wouldn't eat that. And then the only thing, my parents were from that sort of the, my dad would make me eat things I didn't like. So I learned very easily. Like he'd make me eat beets. So I'd throw it up right there at the table. Well, so I learned, right. So that he wouldn't make me eat it again. Then I get punished, but then I never had to eat them again. So I'm telling you, that was a message too, that I learned very early that I didn't have to, you know, eat things I didn't want. And then what happened was I I saw that I started doing fitness quite early, like baseball and like quite, quite athletic again, like doing all these things. But again, I wasn't getting the look I wanted. And that's the only way I can describe it. Like all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden I'm starting to pay attention to magazines, which I think feed us negatively you know, and all these. And then the other thing is my brother shamed me. Even when I put makeup on, they shame me. They go, oh, makeup is, makeup's ugly. And like, so even that, so like, then I didn't wear makeup. So on one hand, I think that was a good thing. <laughs> Later, I found out that was a good thing. But at the time, again, it just made me not feel good enough. Like I, it always felt like I couldn't be good enough somehow. Right. And, and it wasn't until I started, you know, teaching aerobics that, I started teaching aerobics and then I got obsessed. Once I started teaching aerobics, like then it was like, okay. And then before I know it, like I literally was teaching two classes a day, then three classes a day, then four classes a day, then five classes a day. I would do five classes on Monday, take a break Tuesday, five on Wednesday, take a break. And I, like, I was obsessed with it. Right. And then easier to just not eat. So now I'm not eating and I'm teaching aerobics like that. And I'm taking vitamins and what I found out later was when you take vitamins and don't eat, they don't work. <laughs> so it really wasn't helping me. But the thing is, then I got asked to be on TV as a TV aerobics instructor. So that now I'm a TV star, right? So now I'm like, and I'm getting all this recognition for being a TV star because I'm also working in a nightclub at nighttime. So I, and I'm doing all this. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with everything. Everything was about more. And how old were you about this time? Like in your probably in my early, no, teenage, 18, 19. Wow. Okay. So, and the thing that was happening was, this is how I know I had the eating disorder because when I looked in the mirror, like I always see pictures and I think, oh, I'm fat. And I am not fat. I'm teaching like aerobic classes, you know, like I'm having this problem. And like, I always remember even like I, like even being naked, I couldn't be naked. 
alone, like by, even by myself or with someone. I was always hiding myself. And again, I'm not knowing what's happening for me. I'm not knowing that there's shame around my body. There's all these messages. Like, I don't look like the girl in the magazine. I don't. And even the thing that makes me laugh is I had my measurements. I always laugh at people. Measurements were 36, 26, 36. I did not have big boobs, tiny weight. Like, it was just the way, you know, around my chest. Or You know what I mean? So I always used to laugh because I used to make jokes about it. Yeah, well, my measurements are, right? But that's not how I looked. I didn't look like. And, and all those women then, they start Raquel Welch or Dolly part like all of a sudden the boobs started getting big the waist started getting smaller and like I have an athletic body I ain't looking like those women <laughs> right so that that whole thing takes on and then, and so what happens for me is I I keep teaching I keep teaching and then I would literally say around 1986 the first time I have to tell you the first time I heard the word bulimic I was in the bathroom with a friend and we were puking because we just ate <laughs> So she's in one stall, I'm in the other. And then when we came out, we started hearing this these buzzwords. I said to her, wow, do you think that we're not supposed to be throwing up? Like, it was so crazy. And then I realized, oh, my God, the way I teach fitness. And, like, I'm the type that when I do anything physical, I take it to the extreme, right? So then there was a time where I started doing the running, where I started running. And then next thing I'm doing a half marathon. Then I want to do a marathon. And But what happened was I had... I literally, I will never forget, I was running. I had been running for two hours and I stopped in the forest and I went, oh no, oh no, I can't do this. I knew how upset, I knew that I was going to take, I can't even explain it except it takes over me. It's like this thing that takes over and I thought I can't, I can't do this because I'm, I'm trying to have more balance with that. Now that I know I have this, this eating disorder thing and, and I think what happened for me was probably 85, it would have been 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 1990, I'm working at Holt Renfrew and I'm teaching aerobics and like I'm still doing fitness. I go to the doctor one day and I end up coming back to uh, work after the weekend and I hadn't taken my messages. When I walked into work, my boss said, I need to take you to your doctors because you have cancer. And wow. I went, What? And she said, that's what they told me. She, and she was so worried. This is my general manager. She was so worried from the message they left her because they couldn't get me all weekend. They, she drove me to the doctor's. And when I got to the doctor's office, I, by the time I got to the doctor's office, I was completely freaked out. When I got there, the doctor was... Now, I, today I know the doctor I saw was horrific. He was terrible, had no doubt. But I was in such shock that I didn't know that's what was happening. And he literally said, you have the worst case of melanoma. You're going to die. I've never seen anyone. Like, and he's just, it was horrific, right? And, and so I'm crying and freaking out. And I leave the doctor's office and I phone a friend. And she tells me that there's a woman, Ann Wigmore, in town at UBC. And she cures cancer holistically literally. And she says, and I have a ticket, will you come? And so I go there and then the, I get to UBC and then literally a man stands up and goes, I had melanoma. I was told I was going to die and I'm cured. What? I, I know. I'm like, what? And the thing is back then you were, well, you probably still aren't allowed to say it. You're not allowed to say that you can get cured by cancer holistically. Like Ann Wigmore could not claim that, but here there was testimonials, right? So then I go home and I call my brother because my family, 
I don't have the money to go to Boston or um, she has two studios, one in Boston, one in down in South America. But so I just said, I can't, you know, I'll save my money and I'll go. And of course, my brother said, no, you won't. You'll go next week. I don't want. And I went to the doctor and my doctor said they scheduled me for surgery and then they were going to do the chemo and the radiation, which I didn't want to do. And I so I took the alternative. I went to Boston. And basically what happened for me in Boston was like I what you want to talk life changing, like all of a sudden not giving up everything. So, you know, I already don't drink now. I'm not now I'm not going to eat meat. And now I'm not I'm sort of feeling like a freak. And I'm and it's completely raw vegan. We're doing wheatgrass. And and this is with that woman. So you had to go to move Boston. I had to go to Boston on a holiday. Like where were you in? I was in Vancouver. I was in Vancouver and I went to Boston and I went to Boston just for a time. You just go and you learn how to re-eat. And where do you stay? Like in her? stay right in her thing. It was an institution. She had a, and so you immerse immediately into this kind of way of life. So of course you go through withdrawal. And what happened for me, which was quite interesting, was I withdrew all my childhood, like my dad. I had dreams about the beatings. I had, like, I had these really crazy things that happened to me there. Like, I had this, I kept dreaming. And there was a guy that I knew from Vancouver that kept telling me what I had to do. He kept saying, you need to go talk to your dad. You need to tell him it was unacceptable. You have to face this and all the, like, it was just crazy. And the reason I tell you that is because when I got home, that guy told me when I told him what was going on, he goes, you're not going to believe this, Linda, but I was in Boston that whole time. (laughs) It's like, I don't know, but to me, it's like twilight zone. So when I was in Boston, I really learned I learned things. I just want to cry sometimes when I learned what I learned. Like I learned that the dairy and meat people, it was all a pl- It was all bullshit. Or I know it was all we were lied to from the time I was this high. We were given that milk and dairy, the food chart. And then we learned in Boston, you didn't even need that. Our bodies are these miracle healers. And what we have to do is we have to give it the right nutrition so that it doesn't have to work to do the food down, you know, and then like meat is just against our, we don't even have the right digestive system. I'm just telling you, it was like mind blowing. And I do remember like doing the wheatgrass, doing all these, I'm thinking, oh my God, <laughs> this is crazy. But what happened is I, after the withdrawal, you know, I started feeling better, like I was healthier. And then when okay. I, this withdrawal, was it more of a, it was physical and emotional? Yes, absolutely. I, well, you felt sick, right? Yeah. Yeah, you do. You felt like exactly like a cleanse. Like I was detoxing. And the cool thing about Ann Wigmore's institution is they would say, that's your liver detoxing. Like they would know the things that were going on, which was pretty cool. And and literally when I came back from Boston to Vancouver, I literally had, I have never looked that healthy in my life. <laughs> like natural. It was crazy. And then I went to the doctor right away because I still was scheduled for surgery I basically, he could not believe that my cells had already started to change. And back then doctors did not want to, the cancer doctor did not want to know what I was doing. He just said, but keep doing it, (laughs) which was like, okay, I'm in. Wow. So basically what happened is they took some chunks out of my back. I went in for surgery and I just remember feeling like, this is going to sound weird, but I remember feeling like the wheatgrass was actually healing me. This green juice, which is what she was really famous for, was just feeding, you know, and and doing this raw and not having my body. So I did that for another year. And literally, 
that what happened was I, I was walking down Georgia street, which is in Vancouver. And I, I literally had a psychic change because what happened for me was I, all of a sudden I started gagging and I remember thinking, Oh my God, we're never supposed to eat meat. I was never, it's not what, and then I had a really hard time for the next, because I kept smelling flesh when I smell meat. Like it was, I can't even, it was just the most bizarre switch, but I knew right then and there that I would never eat meat again. Wow. And I knew, but this is the craziest thing that happened. So then the eating disorder, boom. It was just like, I don't know what happened, but I used to look at a piece of chocolate cake and go, okay, that's fattening. And I literally looked at the chocolate cake and went, oh, like it was gone. The vision, how I saw myself was gone. Like it literally changed. And what I realized happened because I had been working on the, working on the eating disorder for, like I had done all this work on. One of the things that I was willing to do with my eating disorder, and, and I know that when I work with women with eating disorders was I was, was willing to get fat. Not that I would get fat, but I had to have that, willingness to get fat. Like I had to give up my will in it. Like I had to give up the control because it's the biggest thing. It was the one thing left in my life that I could control, but really I can't. Right. I just think I do. It's a false sense of control. Cause I know when the psychic change occurred, it was literally like magic. And it was like, wow. Right. And, and I knew that if I had kids, I would bring them up vegan and which I did, you know, and it, and it was very hard to be vegan back then. I need to tell you because People were like, well, one, you couldn't go to a restaurant and get something vegan. They bring you a potato. <laughs> it's like, and even the French fries back then, oh, we cook it in lard. You know, they cook them in. So, so you had to be very careful of what, you know, how you did things. But the thing about what I learned was I, I learned how to convert things very easily. Like I, I don't know, it's like maybe, I don't know, it was a natural or like to, when I say convert, like how do I make sweet and sour ribs, I make sweet and sour rice. And how do I make certain, like, do I make meatloaf? And I, like, I was doing a lot of things back then, even all my green juices and like everything I did, like even riding, I used to ride my bike everywhere and drink green juices. Well, now in Vancouver, drinking green juice and riding your bike is the thing to do. (laughs) I always laugh. It's like, my kids loved when vegan became trendy. It was like, yay, (laughs) we're the cool kids now, (laughs) right? Whereas for a long time, you know, they were, it was like, we were different in in some ways, right? Because we were that way. And the other thing that happens when you become vegan is I originally became vegan because of the food, because of my health. It was a hundred percent health. I like, I like animals. I had a horse when I was young, but I didn't, it wasn't all the other things. And then it becomes all of that. One of the greatest things that my medical doctor, not my cancer doctor gave me, she goes, you know what, this might help you with the transition. And she gave me the book diet for a new America. And Diet for New America was written by Baskin and Robin's son. And Baskin and Robin, in the book, he literally, his Baskin and Robin's wanted to give him his empire so that he would be, it was his son. And his son turned against him, said, no, I won't do it because you're killing too many people with dairy. And like, he was so big on it back then. And, and now the latest Netflix movie, you probably know it, what, but that doctor in there that's talking is the doctor that... What the health is it? Yes, that? what the health? That's it. And Doctor Clappin, I think his name is. That's in the video. Is the stir the same doctor that helped me back? Like when I, you know, so like that man. He when I see him in the movie, I laugh. He doesn't look a day older than when I'm like 
30 years ago, right? Like it's, it's mind boggling to me, the process that occurs and how much the world. So then what happened was the animals I had, I had one son, the, the meditator, of course, the spiritual son. I always thought he was an old soul and him not being a vegan was like the natural, like he would, you know, with animal, his was all about the animals. So I learned through him, like, wow, it's like, if there was a, even a slug crossing the, you know, he'd push you out of the way. <laughs> He's like, no, you know, that the animal, even when we'd go horseback riding, when the horse whisperer came out, maybe I, it would be him that would, I'm the, <laughs> he would be the like, you know, so it's kind of cool to watch the different ways, right? That it affected everyone. And then of course, politically, like the world, like the water, like what I, what we all learned about, you know, like one hamburger is like, would save thousands. Like the world could eat. Everybody in the world could eat if we weren't, if we all were vegan. Like to me, it, there's a, it's a no brainer. Like, are you kidding me? It's amazing. So, it is amazing. Just to go back, uh, Linda. Yes. So now because of your treatment that you um, went to in Boston, you yes. went and you had the surgery, but you did not have to do chemo and radiation like no. you wanted. Okay. No. no. And I turned it. I always want to clarify for people with cancer because I'm a believer that you have to do what you believe in. For some people, if you don't believe that this eating and healing yourself would work, then I don't know if it would work. I'm also a very believer and you have to do what you believe. And I believed, I was more scared of the radiation and the chemo than I was trying to do this on my own kind of thing, you know? And so that I think is important. Plus with my type of cancer like, and, or any cancer, you get monitored like every six, every three months I got monitored or for a year. Then it went six months and now it's a year. And now, you know, I probably should do it every year. I kind of, I monitor myself because they took pictures of every part of my body when back then. And so my cancer doctor literally knows my, I can just go in and he'll, okay, they'll just get rid of it now. Very scrape it off, cut it out, whatever. Right. So I monitor it that way, but I feel very healthy in that sense. And the one thing I didn't mention all the way along was I, when I first had my kids, I got left. I was a single mother. So what did I do? I started, I coached fitness. I coached one. But I always did everything before it became a trend. <laughs> so I had three clients and I literally one-on-one -on -one coached them. And that's how I, you know, lived as a single mother and raised, you know, raised the kids and bring them big. And then I did circuit training. Like I did all these different things. And then I uh, started doing daily method and I would do that super early in the morning. And daily method was like Pleiades yoga and bar method. And, and so all these things I would incorporate into my own type of fitness to the point that now teaching my own fitness is it's all about core. Cause I know, like I always love laugh at people. Like I say, that's where the strength comes. And there's been so many different times where I've had like freak accidents, but because I'm so strong, I literally on the, I always laugh, I'm crossing the street and I fell onto the cement. Like everyone around me, I get everyone click. Like everyone was like, oh my God. And I just went, like I went right into push up mode, like push it up and popped right back up. And everyone's going, oh my God, she's Superwoman. <laughs> oh no, just, just core, just core fitness. <laughs> So, so one more way, I just want to move backwards. So you talked also about your purging of your emotional healing and also the physical healing that you did in Boston. Do you feel like the cancer was also a part of that, um, those old emotional burdens that you carried? You know what? I, 
again, I don't, you know, I do know that some of the people think you could can you cause the cancer, like all these things. And I would have said at the time, I would have said, I don't think so. I would have believed it was, and now I believe so much differently today. So it's a great question. Cause at the time I thought it was because my mom never put sunscreen on us and we got, I got sunburnt, had second degree burns. That's what they made me believe then. But I also had that one doctor I had, she was a bit more progressive. She was more, she, I'm so grateful to her because she said, you know what, you're not going to, she believed the sun is a healer and she believed it's the sunscreen. She would not let me wear a 30 sunscreen. Whereas everybody at the time was telling you, wear a 30, don't go in the sun, da, da, da. And she was like, no, you wear a 15 and you wear it. She named three brands of sunscreen that were original sunscreen. Don't go into some of these homemade brands and don't you dare go 30 now it's like 45 and 60 it's horrifying what people are putting on their skin because she's like more worried because our skin is alive and you're putting that she was more you know when you're in the middle of the day you put on a hat put on your little sun dress thing you know sit in an umbrella like but get sun get sun in the morning get sun in the afternoon so i'm so grateful for that because as time went on to answer your question about the emotional healing i realized um, I think the emotional stuff with our eating disorders, I think it's, I think the cancer I believe is environmentally, I believe. And now I've, now I know because I've walked with many cancer patients where their doctors, I'm sitting in the doctor office with these women I'm walking with and the doctor goes, oh yeah, 90% of cancer is environmental. And it sends me crazy because here we are paying companies to, oh, they all go, oh, they want donations to support cancer. My opinion, there probably is like, why are you not putting the money in the environment and taking things out that you know are causing cancer? And why are we not all eating for our health? Why are we not eating vegan? Like there's so many ways, right? Again, I just know that the cancer part was probably environmental, I believe. And I also believe you know, like microwaves, like I don't even, we never grew up with a microwave. Like as soon as microwave went out, that was the first thing that went out with the cancer, like microwaves out. And like, even the phone, I make my kids long before, you know, like when texting, I used to always say text, put it on speaker, do not stick it to your head, you know, like certain things where it's just, there's so many things, plastic bottles, water. I mean, I could go on about, and again, I don't, I'm not a freak about it, but I try to do the best I can with the products, right? Like I sell alkaline water because I believe that again, you need to, our organs need to be flushed and hydrated and all these things. And we drink water that's so got so many chemicals in it that it stops being this healer. Definitely. You feel like the cancer is environmental, but then with the eating oh, disorder, yeah, the eating disorder that was more emotional. Yes, more emotional, more what I took on as a child. Because eating disorder to me is truly about control. It's it's the only thing left in our lives that I control. I can control my weight by puking. I can be a certain, and then to some degree we lose the control, but on some level you still have a bit of, you know, how you can look or what you can do by what you do and like all that stuff. And And it definitely has psychological you know, that endorphin thing that I can get going with five aerobics by the time I do the fifth class, you know, that kind of thing, which I knew when I started to do the marathoning that I would be in trouble Uh, because there's a lot of skinny, unhealthy marathon runners. Like I don't think marathon running is healthy at all. 
we take things to such extreme. And so I do know the healing process that happened in Boston with my family was the beginning, right? And then that whole, like vanity, that's the other thing that vegan, it took vanity. Like I'm so grateful for that because it took vanity. It When vanity leaves us, like when I don't have to, when I can have wrinkles or I don't have to get Botox, like I always say silver fox, no Botox. Like it's this idea that I don't have to change myself to fit what the world thinks is beautiful, right? And the saddest thing about the whole vanity thing, again, it, it's, I think it's emotional. It's, it's something they're trying to change on the outside to make them feel on the inside. And then it's an addiction because it doesn't change that. And then once they've started, they can't stop. And like, it's this whole cycle, right? In the beginning, you said that you looked in the mirror or you looked at your pictures and you saw that you're fat. At what point did you start to be able to look in the mirror and look at your pictures and your veganism and after your healing that you felt self-love and, and appreciation? Yeah, definitely after the psychic change in the sense like it made me laugh when I looked at the pictures I used to think. I said to my husband, you see this? I used to think I was fat. It's like, it's so funny to me. Because it just wasn't a reality, right? Like I do know completely changed. Completely changed. Like even the way I think about food, like I don't even I always say the best way to describe it to anyone that has an eating disorder is I never think fat ever. That's weird. (laughs) And from I would say from 80 what? From the time I probably have been in the same size. And it might be a little looser, or a little snugger, depending on if I'm doing lots of physical, you know, whatever I'm doing at the time. To me, that says it right there. I think our bodies have a natural weight or a natural being. If you're just being vegan and eating healthy, like I also see that when you eat vegan, it's a, it's more of a lifestyle change that is actually the, what I believe is how we were supposed to eat. I don't think we were supposed to eat for cravings or like, like it's more, what I'm trying to say is it's more about we eat to heal. Like we, we can keep ourselves healthy by what we put into our system. If we're not putting in chemicals and like all these things into our bodies, you know, cause we've gotten more and more and more obviously off track with how food, like, I mean, there's certain foods that you could probably eat that isn't even food. Like that's what really happened to me when I left Boston and came back and I, rem- I hate to say, I won't say a name brand, but one, some of the stores, like I don't even, I was, I wouldn't even go into a store that wasn't like Whole Foods for lack of a better, I don't know what other words, everyone probably knows Whole Foods, but like, so that you have organics and you had sprouts and you had living foods and you had things that you just can't buy in a normal store. I remember going into what I call a normal store and watching the basket, the guy, what he put in his basket in front of me. And everything he put in his basket was sugar, unhealthy, calorie, no pro, like, no, like it was crazy to me, right? Crazy to me. And I see that people still use diet as a way of losing weight and not necessarily healthy. Like I always, like the one that kills me is that one where people eat all meat. Yeah, the keto, yeah. Oh my God. When I did it, I did lose weight, but I felt so emotionally toxic that it was, it brought me into a breakdown. It was terrible. Uh, So I'll never, I know for me, I'll never do that again. I know, I've seen people and it was sad for me to watch what they were doing because to me, it, it can't be emotionally healthy for you to putting that kind of fat, that kind of meat, like even the way you're eating meat, 
like eating animals like to me, like I just don't know how people can't be more here. We have hormone fed, you know, animals that are being tortured that if you don't think that that's affecting your psyche on some level, that you're more angry, that you're more. And I always use our animals because we had two dogs and we started feeding them raw meat at first. So we would laugh. We spent more on our dog's food than our own food, for God's sake. But anyways, we watched our dogs were aggressive. I took them off the meat and we started feeding them this whole other way and their whole nature changed. Wow. I know. Vegan dog food. I just thought you, you, I am a real believer that we, uh, our world needs a cleansing in the, in that whole, you know, what's interesting about the pandemic getting into what brought me into all of what I'm doing now is this amazing clearing of everyone. Like I always say, it's a retreat. We didn't ask for, you know, you're stuck, you're in home. And like all of a sudden you're looking in your closet and I haven't worn a pair of shoes in a year. It's like, are you joking? I've worn runners. The waste of what, how we live, right? Like my one son, the meditator again, is more of a min- minimalist. <laughs> and again, he, he's always like, oh, you don't need that many. Oh, I don't need. And it's so true in every area of our life. And it, funny enough, just seeing that first, And then seeing how important it is to get outside physically and do something physical. Like, so we've been doing hiking. Like that's something we took on as well. Everyday hiking, right? Then just that connection with people and seeing how important that is. And then teaching, you know, more people are conscious of what they're eating because everybody, we called it the COVID-15. You know, everyone gained about 15 pounds in COVID because of this insane, like this crazy idea that you're not, you weren't doing anything. You're yeah, what, what we did was we did Netflix and we, and we binge watched and we binged yeah. ate or drank. I know. Insane, right? Yeah. And, and it is a miracle and it is an unexpected retreat. I love the way that you said that and also appreciation, appreciating human connection more. So, so you're just going at it still with your teaching your fitness. And um, can you tell me a little bit about a, on a deeper level about what fitness means to you and how it's really helped you, you know, keep your, your energy system focused. Yeah. Life yeah. And- fitness actually switched completely to spiritual. Wow. It's absolutely spiritual. It is not about my vanity. It's not about how skinny. I look. none of that. It's all about strength. And it's all about like, even, even like the, the, the meditation fits right into like, it's about the spirit. And my son's really big on the mind. Like he's so like, he'll say, leave your mind on the other side of the door, please. <laughs> it's like, get to your essence, get to now, get to the spirit. Right. And that is exactly where I come from fitness. Right. Like, so when I get you start, it's all about, we do the whole core, we go through the whole body and then we dance it out, right? We dance it out. And I use different songs to say like, bring it in, you know, and like, it's this whole idea of spirit, right? So that by the time you finish, you ha- you feel refreshed and strong. Like I said, if there's nothing you're going to get, you're going to be strong. And like already within a month, some of the women like couldn't do a push up. Now they can do 10, you know, yeah, I, mean? I was going to ask you, is this for anybody to start? Do they have to be a certain level of fitness or are you just, no, because I'm very good. I'll do a core, like I'll teach you the core, some core movements. And then I always have three levels. So do the beginner one, do the medium one, do the hard one, you know, is while we're doing zoom. Are you yeah, on Zoom? So we definitely <laughs> join okay. in anytime. How do people contact you? I've been just doing it word of mouth and through. I have a vegan chat that I opened because the vegan chat I've been teaching people. So we've been doing like a vegan cooking, meatless Monday, just yeah. 
Yeah. So the vegan chat is also where we, then I just put it out on different chats. Like, do you want, like, we're actually, the girls are liking it so much that some of the girls at work, cause we do it at eight 30. So some of the girls at work want to do it. So I might start another class in the afternoons. I'm just trying to figure out the. And you mentioned that you um, start people off with a meatless Monday. You have to go slow. So you start where, where they're at, which I think is marvelous. But what I find with a lot of people and myself is that when we, you know, I've done cleanses and gone vegan, but then cheese and dairy, we're moving away from milk as a culture. You know, we're doing a lot more yeah. oat milk, almond milk stuff, but the cheese is where people have troubles. Do you have any advice about oh, absolutely. cheese is the most addictive Cheese is 100% addiction. And I learned that 30 from Ann Wigmore. The first thing she taught us was it's cheese has got um, something that in your brain fires off like heroin. That's how addictive it is. But the thing is, it's so it's abstinence. I love it because I've been vegan a long time. And I have to tell you, today's cheeses are amazing. And it's the first thing that I put on my is I give you pictures of the brands. Cause that's the other thing I can give you. I've tried everything and I'll tell you what are the best ones, right? The vegan cheeses. Absolutely. Right. And those, the nut cheeses, the cheeses I make with Vitamix. I always say in today's, you have to have a Vitamix for sure. Like if you're vegan, you need a Vitamix because I can teach you to make any kind of nut cheese. I can, you know, nachos. I make the best nachos. Like I can tell you like, so I say for cheese eaters, I'm your girl. I can tell you exactly what products, like even butter now, they have the best butters, the best, like it's in crazy. Like it's crazy. What oh, I'm so now. excited and so Even eggs. I make the best vegan eggs. It's uh-huh. like, yeah. I can't vegan wait to omelets, hear. vegan, you know, like it's incredible. It's and incredible. One now. more thing I wanted to talk about is like, so you're working with all these women, they're all loving it. Can you share some of the transformations that they've gone through with um, the changes of your, your fitness and the meditation and the ex- and the food? Yeah. So I, so some of them are very excited about more one, the variety of food they can eat and the excitement of making some of these things. And so I get them to post pictures and so they get excited about this and, and some of them are trying to bring in the men. <laughs> yeah. That's real hard. The men are hard. Yeah. yeah the men are hard. Cause it's like, Oh, is it meat? I said, just don't tell them. And I know that if you're making like beyond meat, like for me, if I was making a tomato sauce, I like using chickpeas or smoked tofu because I like, I, I'm not a big switch to taste like a meat person, but if you are beyond meat, for sure, because beyond meat, when you put them into my recipes, it tastes like there's no difference. Really. And the truth is meat today is so expensive. Even if it's terrible meat, the, the animals were tortured, mass produced. It's the same price as the beyond beef. You know, it's the same it's the same yeah. thing. And just the fact that you're eating something that's got, is better for you. Like for one animal fat is probably the worst fat you can put in your body. Like I always say to people, people go, oh, avocados are fattening. I go, avocado fat is that when I was in Boston, it's the one thing we ate like probably six, seven avocados a day. Like I lost weight. I was the thinnest, healthiest I'd ever been. And not that that was the goal or anything, but your body just takes on this natural, like I said, it's natural. And then the other thing that the women are really like how excited that they couldn't do a push up and now they can and how much stronger like the other thing that happens with what i do is your whole being gets taller so that's the other thing they i feel so like tall and strength and like all these things and i mean there's nothing better than as a woman in my opinion than feeling strong 
Absolutely. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm definitely going to join what you're doing after this conversation. I mean, WhatsApp chat is sort of taken over with. Yeah, it's wonderful. My, like, it's like, oh my God, right? That's how I started. To tell you the truth, I put my on my own Facebook page because my Facebook page, I never post anything except flowers and nature and wonderful things because I think we don't need any other stuff on there. And when I posted, would anyone be interested in vegan cooking and fitness? Every, it was like the response I got on Facebook, I thought, hmm, sounds like, and then funny enough, the meditation, I put it in together as a boot camp to summer with my, including my son's meditation. So you get meditation, fitness and vegan cooking. Oh, I'm so excited. That sounds fantastic. Okay. So a little bit of um, useful tools now, where do you like to shop? Vegan supply, but so Vancouver is. Oh, uh, we don't have that here. Too I know. So I guess in America it would be. You, these are the places. Uh, well, obviously Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Sprouts. We have a new leaf here that's in California. They're 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 pretty good. Yeah. So do you ever do any delivery of, pro, of produce? You know, like from farm to house. I do. I do. Um, it's called Naramata. It's in it's in Kelowna. So again, it's four hours from here, but definitely I get all my chia, goji, coconut, spice, all the healthy from them wholesale. Wow. Amazing. And that's a way, way, way better. Like wheatgrass powder. They have everything. Thailand, they have that. It's a great source. Okay. Even before we had to order our food online. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm going to have to get, get some insight on that. And yeah. can you tell us a little bit about your morning ritual? Like, do you have a hydration routine and then what's your go-to breakfast? So interesting enough, I, I do do the fast breakfast. So I, <laughs> I don't eat until after I've had probably 16 hours mm-hmm. and then I'll have either a smoothie or like, I'll pretty much have whatever I want, either almond toast or banana, fruit, granola, acai bowls, smoothie. And then I will have one, um, the meal I make will be, I pretty much can make anything. So again, just the meal. And then if I was to snack on something at night, it would be like an apple or popcorn or like like mm-hmm. if we're watching a movie, just because, like you said, when the pandemic hit, I think everyone was eating. I was baking all this stuff. I was like ridiculous because I don't even eat baked goods. I I much rather eat. I make raw cookies, things like that. But we were baking banana bread. And it was like crazy. It was kind of crazy. Okay. And then for me, one of the treats that I do, and I'm really grateful for it. So it's hard for me to change is that my husband and I will watch our show and we'll um, share um, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. So, Oh, well, you can do Haagen-Dazs, vegan Haagen-Dazs. Oh. It is the best. They have vegan Ben and Jerry's too, but I have to say... They have vegan Ben and Jerry's. My kids love vegan Ben and Jerry's, but I have to say Hagen Dazs took it to the next level. Okay, that's that wonderful. Just came, that just came out. That just came out in the last in the pandemic. Like wow. it's crazy, and they have vegan Hagen Dazs bars. I am telling you, they're to die. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to go look for them. Oh, that's you wonderful. do. You have to absolutely. So good. Well, I really hope your message of, you know, what it meant for you to look at yourself and see that person that could never fit in, that was just never right. And your transformation of 
you're dived out of a soul with having cancer and having that doctor tell you that you were, you were going to die. And then having the miracle of meeting this whole different way of living. If you hadn't gotten turned on to her, who knows where you would have ended up. I absolutely agree. It was like that seemingly bad thing turned into the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Absolutely. Wow. Even raising my kids vegan and like, you don't want to even get me started on all that. But like my one son, the same son, ended up slicing his hand open at 20, what, 22. Anyways, the reason I'm saying that is when we took him to the hospital, he'd never been in a hospital. He's never been on an antibiotic. Do you know what I'm saying? So to me, you couldn't convince me that eating that way wasn't like, right? The proof is in the pudding. So wow. Amazing. Well, yeah. thank you. God, I'm, I'm so grateful to you and, and for this story and for what you continue to do. And I'm so excited to see where you take it. And I can't wait to follow you. And I want to get in on your, your chat and to see yeah. what you do further. Cause people do, I know you said that did all this before it was cool. There's something about your story. That's just so valuable and meaningful. That's going to be what just anchors down this plan of action. Yeah. Let's move into summer with, with more grace and with more love for ourselves. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Linda, for coming. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I have such a full heart and having the opportunity to share these beautiful stories of becoming. If you want to help me out, please subscribe to Apple podcast and rate this episode. If you would like resources, I have plenty. You can find me on Instagram at Heal Your Hero. Join my Facebook community, The Healed Hero Collective, or check out my website at tanyagilbert.com. That's T-A-W-N-Y-A gilbert.com. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.